Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Coming up on this episode, is this the hardest thing you can do on a trainer? The Virtual Everest Challenge. In praise of the endless ingenuity of Zwifters, it's our Rocker Plate Roundup. And virtual racing steps up big time with huge prize purses, marquee race series and glamorous live finals. Here they are, my fellow Zwiftcasters. Shane Miller, yo dude. Uh, wrong way around, wrong Good. way around. <laughs> Shane oh, Miller. Look out. <laughs> We've mixed it up. Shane Miller, like, Shane Miller, good day, mate. Nice and warm, is it? It is scorching hot tomorrow, 35 degrees and a total fire ban. Nathan, you dude, a bit cooler with you like it is with me, I guess. Yeah, lots of snow on the ground. We've been here in the plows pretty much day and night and uh, Christmas is here, that's for sure. The pre-Christmas update was something that we were promised by Steve Beckett when uh, Steve came on to talk to us about what was coming out when in the wake of the price increase. Uh, and there's not many days left until <coughs> Christmas. So um, I have a Zwift exec on the podcast later on, Emily. So obviously <coughs> I couldn't resist asking her about whether we might see any updates this side of Christmas. This is what she said. I I think we are going to have a lot of Christmas presents for Zwifters, um, uh, Christmas holidays, New Year's, um, whatever you know the middle of January holidays are in February and so on and so forth. Uh, we have a really busy. John's team is going to be very very busy over the next few weeks um, with releases, and I think what we're going to continue to do is look to just keep them rolling as as soon as they are ready. We we push them out. Shane, I think we'll take that as a maybe. Yeah, there's not many days left, and I guess they're probably hesitant to release anything so close to Christmas because if you need to back things out or uh, to patch things, everyone's away eating Christmas pudding. Mm. So, yeah, we shall see, but fingers crossed that something uh, something drops before Christmas that we can all enjoy. If, if you could choose a Christmas present from Zwift in terms of features that they were going to give you wrapped up as a present or in a sack or otherwise uh what would you what would you like one thing one thing well my bike has a steering wheel or handlebars that turn <laughs> see where i'm going see that, that's going. my christmas wish one christmas present from zwift what would that be i actually would really really like level unlock along with daily quests for some motivation to ride it's that time of year when uh, we're going to be riding a lot mm. and having something to grind toward in-game in some sort of a daily way would be pretty awesome. I would like that Commissaire's card that we've talked about a lot or the virtual equivalent of it, some kind of rolling neutralised start to races. Please, Santa Zwift, I would love that. We, I think, fellas, have been a bit serious the last few episodes. So... Here's a bit of a thing that we that, that might be a bit of a bit of fun for Zwifters. Now, who knows whether 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 people will like this or whether it'll be popular or not. But let's let's give it a go. Uh, so I'm going, I'm calling this Zwiftcast lip sync challenge. You know the situation. Uh, I certainly have tunes banging out when when I'm riding uh, on Zwift. I'm sure you guys do. 
And every so often, if like one of your favourites comes on and you're not in the middle of some hideous interval, you do find yourself singing along. Or if you are in the middle of a hideous interval, you actually, in the privacy of your own pain cave, lip sync along. Let me demonstrate how this works. Uh, here are two people demonstrating the art of lip syncing to Zwift. Hang on. So this is Ella and Jess, Zwifting together and banging out a tune in the background with some furious lip-sync action going on in the foreground. Nathan, how often does that urge overcome you? Oh man, in the middle of intervals, it's all the time actually. Whenever I'm listening to jams, I'm always lip syncing to every single one of them actually. Well, I, I, I think we need to see this. I think we need to see this, Nathan. So, you know, I mean, you've got my email address, dude. Just, just, just ping me something for the, for the, for the glory of, of the wider world. Shane, lip sync confessions from you? Any to be had? Uh, look, I'm a big fan of Britney, S Club 7. Uh, also mixing up with the Guns N' Roses as well. So I've got both ends of the scale covered, absolutely. Whether you'll see it emailed through, look, I'm not sure if it'll be a duo or a duet. I'll be the front. Vaughn might have to be the backup singer. I need to take centre stage for those things. S Club 7, what do we think? Oh, no, I'd rather see Britney. I'd definitely rather see Britney with with <laughs> with with Von on backing vocals. You know, this 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 could be a thing. This could be a thing if you've got a clip of you lip syncing as you Zwift, kind of demonstrating that exuberance and that kind of joie de vivre that we saw from Alan and Jess in that clip I played. I'd really, really, really love to see it. So. Uh, just ping me an email, uh, paincavesimon at gmail.com, paincavesimon at gmail.com. Ping me an email with your entry to the Lip Sync Challenge. I think we might even have prizes for this. You know, we, I'm, I'm sure we could get some swag out of... Uh, out of Zwift, and I, I could see us. us I'll throw guys. some stickers in. I'll throw a couple stickers into the mix there. There you go. Here you go, it's, guys. We got there we go. <laughs> it's getting better all the time. Let's see them. Let's see them, guys and girls. It would be great to see those. Okay, well, let's crack on. Now, a Zwift rival or a potential rival to Zwift uh, lifted lifted their skirts to, to show a bit of ankle in the last couple of days. We saw a few screenshots from uh, a new offering called Virtugo. I think that's how it's called, Vertigo or Vertigo. Um, slightly strange name, but um, but anyway, we saw some screenshots from them. Now, there's not a lot more to say than that because we don't know a lot more at this particular time other than this is going to be fronted by the ex-rider Mick Rogers. Uh, Mick used to ride for Sky amongst many other teams. Nice guy actually. Um, and we think they're going to go on a kind of training and nutrition angle but we really don't know much more than that. Um, and all of this got me thinking. I mean, Virtugo are not going to be the only rival to Zwift. There is another one, Rogue Grand Tours. And all of this got me thinking what these people need to do to, to mount an effective challenge to Zwift. I mean, Shane, do you think Zwift are 
by the very uh, fact that they were first there, by the fact that everybody kind of who, who rides virtually is on the platform. Do you think that offers them enough protection from from rivals? What do people have to do to beat Swift, if any, if anything? Mm, I think Zwift has got a two-year head start on a lot of these new platforms coming along. Um, I've always said Zwift is the Kleenex of tissues, the Xerox of photocopiers. It's the Strava of Strava. I've said that mm, before. Mm, so mm. they've got a huge following already and two years of build and two years of people upskilling to the platform, investing in XP points, you know, learning the system, helping others as well. People are really, really invested into Zwift and there's a lot of people invested into Zwift already. So for something else to come along... Hmm, it's going to be very interesting. Look, the pie is big enough for somebody to come along and take a small chunk and still make something of it. So it's going to be interesting to see what they come and what their value add is. They're going to have to meet at least the same level as what Zwift provide for the experience and then exceed it in some way. Mm, yeah. Very, I'm, I'm watching this very, very closely. Very interesting times. Nathan, do you think this is effectively a race for second best and, and, and maybe a poor second best at that? No. Um... I'm going to give two examples real quick, both from the gaming industry. Uh, Dota was a new concept of uh, massive online battle arena. And then there's Battle Royale as well with um, HZ, H, H1Z1 and, and another one, Fortnite. Um, both of them were new concepts. Well, Battle Royale has been around for a long time. Someone came along and did it, did it better, but it, they did the same concept better. And what is winning about Zwift is not what I'm seeing in the competitors right now. Um, you know, Zwift wins as a social platform, massive multiplayer online in which they've done a good job of connecting people, making virtual worlds and making cycling fun indoors. And I see these other programs filling a niche of this more, uh, hardcore enthusiast cyclist space rather than making indoor cycling fun. Um, and I think Zwift is continuing on into the space that they've currently made social and fun. And I think that if anybody's going to do anything about that, they need to take the concept that's winning and outdo it like we recently saw with Player Unknown in the Battle Royale arena and what we saw with League of Legends in the Dota arena. Shane, I think one benefit of some, some competition is, you know, even if these guys have got a massive uphill battle, which, which personally <coughs> I, think that, I think they have, I think they've got a huge battle to take any kind of bite out of Zwift. But 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 disregarding that, I, I don't think Zwift can afford to kind of take the risk, really. So it will keep Zwift firmly or sharply on its toes, won't it? I was thinking, is there more investment here in a room like this where I've set everything up and then it's my Zwift cave? Of course, that's mm. what it is. But I was just thinking then, it's not. It's just the, the hardware is independent mm. of the software that I run. So that's that's a really interesting thing that Zwift will have to be on their toes because everyone now is upskilled with what Ant Plus is. They have the hardware, they have the trainers that aren't locked into Zwift. They've got the PC, they've got the Mac, they've got the Apple TV 4K. They've got the hardware and to switch software doesn't take much at all. So yeah, Zwift will have to definitely be on their toes and they will have to keep incentivizing, as what Nathan said early on, like something, the daily, the chase, something to grind for and keep people locked in because to switch over, it's just like the PC when you're, you're gaming. Just download the other new bit of software. If that's where everyone is, the switch will happen very, very fast. Very interesting. How feasible do you think it is for the for the for the broad mass of people who are currently on Zwift to have two subscriptions? You know, is that so? I hear 
I hear this all the time, actually, from people that they use Trainer Road and Zwift, and I'm like, mm. you don't understand what Zwift does. I kind of just do a smack my head. because, mm. Or they are so used to their Trainer Road workouts that they're like... Mm. Yep. Just really like to load the program and don't understand that they can just recreate them or like like take mm -hmm. them and move them over into workout mode. They don't even understand that maybe that workout mode exists. I know a lot of people who are like, mm -hmm. "Well, I, I like to use Train Word for the road for the workouts, and then I use Zwift for something." I'm like, they literally don't even know that they can just do it and do it in Zwift. Mm -hmm. So, so but um, holding on to two subscriptions, I do see that, but I think it's mainly from a misunderstanding. Um, but I never hold two MMO subscriptions at the same time. I've never done that. There's always one that takes my time in which I am building my character, which in Zwift, it's me. I'm building myself into a better cyclist. And I and so I don't think that anyone will, well, there might be some that still hang on to a few of these, but I think that one will win out. Shane, I just don't see cyclists paying for two subscriptions. I just don't see it, do you? Or not not, not the, the mass of them. Or it'll be a niche. It'll be a small amount that mm. we'll pay for both. Um, I pay for mm. a few, so yeah. But I guess the, we saw the hoo ha that generated with when Zwift just went up a little bit. Well, mm. okay, sixty six, whatever the number was. <laughs> so yeah, to double that, uh, I don't know. But look, to have the option there for people to ride multiple things, awesome. Um, yep, and as we've talked about before, it'll keep Zwift on their toes, which means better things for Zwifters because they're going to have to keep rolling things yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree, I agree with that. There is this kind of uh, rising tide floats all boats theory, which is something we're going to be talking about later in the podcast as well. Okay, well, let's move on to another. I, 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 I paused there because I was wondering quite how to describe it, but it can only be described as another controversy, actually, to, to roll in, another storm to roll in from Ocean Boulevard and kind of overwhelm, uh, overwhelm Zwift a bit. And this was a week or 10 days ago, um, Zwift uh, cancelled uh, a race series which it was just about to, 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 to get to the end, actually, and people had committed quite a lot of time and effort and sweat to racing up to that point all for 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 very little end as it turned out uh, and so cue much much wailing and gnashing of teeth and not surprisingly really um, ZHQ said they wanted to reboot the series and they very quickly announced plans to do so this time in partnership with KISS and a couple of days ago, I spoke to Emily Mullen and asked why they took the original decision and what the consequences of it were going to be. Um, what is going to be so much better about this series than the cancelled one? We've partnered with KISS for the actual production and facilitation of the races themselves. And uh, we've, we've upped the game in terms of promotion of the race series to make sure that, that there's increased participation as well as what everybody gets out of it. So um, we've partnered with Glenn to talk about uh, better and more interesting prizes, not just for the winners, but for everyone who participates. And we wanted to make sure that we had a full run at this one so that with every crit series we do, we just keep getting better. Just just run us through the kind of primary reasons why you felt it necessary to take what was quite a big call in cancelling the, the previous series. There were really 
two key reasons. Um, and it boils down to lack of planning on our part and lack of great experience. Um, again, back to us. Um, the lack of planning was that we hadn't thought through all of the finer details of a race series, which there are many. Um, and we hadn't figured out all of the best ways to promote it to maximize participation across the board. So that was that was really the big one. Um, the second one was that just logistically, um, as we were watching the race series, there were a couple of, of technical issues, server issues, people not being able to race when and uh, how they needed to. And uh, it was starting to just sort of devolve into something that wasn't going to be a a fair and great experience. When you're dealing with with very passionate and committed people, and and racers most certainly are both of those things, um, things sometimes aren't as simple as, as as everybody might might wish them to be. And and the the previous series, the cancellation, obviously there was that kind of issue about just the hassle of of, of people having taken part, and and you know the rules were changed and stuff. I mean, people got over that. But then there was this second issue that came up. Um, around, um, well, it, it kind of generated a debate about the whole future of, of women's racing. What did you guys take from that debate? I don't think it's a secret that the um, industry norm for women's racing isn't what it should be, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, the men's racing outshines women all over the place in terms of just cycling as a sport. Um, and yet here at Swift. We've done programs that sort of fight that norm, whether it was Zwift Academy for the past two years or whether it was the Women's Week or so on and so forth. But by facilitating the conversation and the opportunity for women, unfairly so, um, you know, it's, it's no secret that men outnumber women on Zwift. Um, and so I think, you know, when we were looking at low participation numbers, that was exacerbated by a small pool and then small participation from that small pool. Um, but, you know, we, we hold ourselves to a higher standard in terms of making sure that we, you know, quote unquote, unfairly discriminate towards women cycling. And we make sure that there's a great experience for women cycling in Zwift um, more so than, you know, anything else. So, you know, I think what it facilitated for us was a great conversation with the women's leaders about ensuring that um, we we fight the norm and we, we are a leader in terms of experience and conversation and um, facilitation of doing better than what's out there for women cycling. It's not easy being a race organizer, is it? It's not. I have such an appreciation <laughs> for all of the race organizers in real life and uh, and uh, on Zwift because all of the the details and the logistics and the week over week, um, there's so much that goes into it. So uh, my hats off uh, to everyone who's doing this, and and we are so appreciative to the Kiss team. Um, you know, they always host great events on Zwift day in and day out, but for coming in and partnering with us to help us ensure that this is a great experience. Uh, thanks very much indeed for your time, Emily. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Simon. Well, it all got very heated for a short time, mainly it has to be said in the women's racing forums. Um, a comment that attendance in women's races was low from a Zwift exec did seem to act as a bit of a catalyst. 
and it did seem to uh, light a bit of a fire. There was a huge debate in public in people who were concerned with and interested in and talking about women's racing. And a lot of talking was done in private as a result of that. And in fact, some very positive changes have come about as a result of that debate. Now, we are not going to go into this here because, to be honest, I think three blokes pontificating about women's racing is, frankly, not a good look. Um, I did not want to ignore this issue and I did invite two very prominent members of the women's racing community who were very vocal in the debate to come on to the podcast. In fact, I offered them their own slot, actually, with no interference from me at all. Um, and they decided after some reflection that they didn't want to do that. And the reason they, they gave me was that they felt the debate actually had turned very, very positive and they didn't want to dwell on the negative. And that's that's fair enough. Um, and actually, the whole thing has now gone a good deal more positive. There's a couple of big new race teams for women uh, being announced. Uh, Fearless, who had, had been around for a little time before that, actually seems to be going from strength to strength. There's a new race team called Velocity Vixens just launched. And, and interestingly, Nathan, uh, female attendance in the races that were put on both by Zwift Kiss and by CVR in the days immediately following the debate, the attendance on there was was much, much higher than, than, than we saw previously. Uh, do you think... And as I say, let's not dwell on this because we're three blokes and what do we know? But 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 do you think that, that women's racing may have turned a corner in, in, in certainly in attendance terms? Yes, I think that there's a great focus on women's racing. I also think that there's some basic things about racing on Zwift that um, changed in those two series compared to the other series that was taking place and part of the reason why there was a reboot. So I think that that, I think that there's some things that are not women specific that have to do with why we have more participation across both genders, actually in both of the race series, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, well, it's good to see, good numbers on the start line. Let's go back to the original decision, Nathan, that, that Emily talked about there. And uh, uh, her message actually was very honest, which was basically, we messed up and we wanted to start again. It did upset people and you can understand why, but actually I thought that was a fairly fairly brave decision to just to say, you know, we screwed up, let's, let's have another go, didn't you? I think it was the fairest decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get involved too much in the forums. I kind of stayed back from it. But from a fair point of view, the best thing to do for everyone involved would be to say these uh, this race series needed to be restarted because they just simply didn't allow everyone to join. We had too many bugs going on. There was just a lot that went down in it that would not it would be like you just have to restart the race like in real life if the race just no longer made any sense because the course was wrong and everybody went the wrong way and the two different people went this way and that way like literally if that happened in real life you'd go we got to have another race you guys and like that was happening there was even a little bit of mess up in like when they called it too and there was a lot of people that were like very vocal very prominent amazing servants in the community that were like, that are total hardcore Zwifters and love Zwift that were like, 
why so late? Why did you, what's going on here? So, I mean, not to berate something that's already there. We're not going to beat the dead horse or anything. They've obviously said there was a mistake, and I think they're doing a great job of um, looking to redeem that. Shane, Nathan used a really, really interesting phrase there, servants of the community, and, and, and there are many servants of the community, particularly in the racing arena. I mean, we're seeing um, two big race series. Well, you know, one has got Zwift backing, but but these 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 race series the, the series they could never have existed had it not been for what what Nathan just described as servants of the community because the community organised racing really I mean the, you know racing is the community's love child if you like um, and, and and group rides to a certain extent rely massively on community volunteers as as racing historically has done. Again, as as the platform grows bigger, as events get bigger and bigger, as racing gets more and more important, as more and more people do group rides, one thing I keep thinking is, or the question I keep asking myself is, do you think community leaders are sufficiently recognised or rewarded, or indeed recognised and rewarded at all by Zwift? I mean... Should, should we have some kind of formal scheme for community leaders, do you think? Look, this is a really interesting one because it takes hours and hours of people's time. Um, mm. And I think one thing Zwift need to be aware of is it's the level of service that's being provided by the community can reflect greatly on Zwift itself as a platform. Mm. So they're leaving a lot of it in the wind at the, um, I guess, at the vulnerability of anybody running a race or riding a race or leading a race and that quality of service could be an excellent event or an absolutely horrible experience the horrible experience they need to control that absolutely they need to grab control of it and make sure that every event it's put on every event on the calendar be it community led it needs to be of a certain quality ride leaders have to be qualified to communicate um look i'd go as far look i'll go i'll go a long stretch on this one i would love to see them replicate the peloton model you have a ride leader you have a peloton employee sitting in front of the class, telling them what to do. They're mm. trained, they're professional, they have all the equipment. Um, there's different, uh, probably let's say 10 or 15 different people. My idea would look, let's get 14 people from around the world as Zwift ride leaders, Zwift workout leaders, employ them by Zwift, take them to Long Beach, train them up in Zwift, train them up in community communication, all the hardware, all the tech, and have those people as ride leaders, professional ride leaders for Zwift that ensures the quality of service for every event that's put on is of a certain level. That would be fantastic. In really interesting idea of Shane's. Keep quality up by having a, a kind of, uh, you know, a kite mark, some kind of quality standards established with by employing professional ride leaders. But would it scale? Could it scale? Um, currently, to do exactly what Shane's talking about, we do workout Wednesdays and we use uh, live streaming platforms in order to do something like that. Um, I think that we could maybe not have... I think we actually, I think we could go that far with implementation directly into Zwift. So all you need is the Zwift app and some cool connections that happen within uh, Zwift. Um, I think that it can totally happen and totally scale. And I think just from the response we've seen from Workout Wednesdays, people want it. You're, you're taking that spin class experience and like putting it on the road, a virtual road to go with. I mean, I think it's a great idea, actually. Yeah, really, really cool idea. Really interesting, really interesting. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm really glad I'm not in charge of Zwift's intray because, you know, I mean, it really, really, really is <laughs> is bulging isn't it and 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 you can understand how sometimes 
the things we want to happen might not happen as quickly as we want them to happen because i mean you know their agenda is just look at the the, the first few things we've discussed in this podcast you know they've got rivals snapping at their heels they've got you know controversy over racing they've got the whole women's racing issue they've had to ma- handle and i know they have they have been involved in that very deeply on in the consultation and uh you know shane's idea of paid ride leaders and you know the, the stuff that this stuff kind of crushing in on them all the time it's it's such 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 a busy area for which we ought to be thankful actually because uh, it keeps us all entertained and amused and and, and bodes well for the for the future of of indoor cycling um and then and then there is cvr uh frank garcia's operation um that has in the last week or two kind of moved up to a new level really um cvr are doing some of the things that zwift may do cvr are planning to do some of the things that we would like zwift to do um so there's an interesting there's an interesting relationship emerging there so i'm pleased to say that frank garcia the head honcho of cvr agreed to come onto the zwiftcast and i put some questions uh, questions of the day to frank to see what his views were here's frank Welcome back to the Zwiftcast. I slightly hesitated there because Frank is going to be on twice. Frank Garcia is going to be on this podcast twice, once for his amazing feat um, in being the first ever rider to do a virtual Everest. And uh, if we've already hadn't done that on the podcast, forgive me. And if it's coming up, it's really good. So I've not quite done the running order yet, which is a very long intro, Frank. Hello, Frank. Hello. CVR has kind of expanded massively this indoor season. It's kind of sprouting in all directions. Um, We have a race series on Tuesday nights. You've just announced a paid coaching programme. There's a live final. So just run us through the highlights, Frank, and what you're most excited about. Uh, We're really excited about a number of things. We've got new rankings coming out, which we think people uh, are going to like. We have the league, uh, which we're very excited about. Uh, we have, which is sort of the road to the elite um, bracket of the uh, World Cup, CVR World Cup. Uh, then we have training, which is sort of the road to the performance bracket. Uh, you don't have to be, uh, you know, an incredibly strong uh, genetic mutant uh, in order to uh, race in that uh, portion of CVR World Cup, but uh, get to have a fantastic experience and win some money there as well. Uh, and then we also have a video streaming platform. Uh, that we'll be announcing shortly, um, CycleView, which allows you to sort of choose what sort of uh, streams you want to watch while you're watching a race. A ton of stuff going on um, yeah. at the moment. We're uh, really excited by all of it. Well, I just got you were kind of asking me a little pre- preview of the streaming platform. I mean, it's really, really, really impressive. So too, Frank, is the six-figure sum, $100,000 is available. I mean, clearly it's going to be split between between a number of, of winners and competitors, but that's a big that's a big sum of money, Frank. So where's it come from? Is this is this loose change down the back of your settee or, or what? Yeah, <laughs> um, a couple of different things. Uh, so we'll have some announcements coming. Uh, part of the announcements that you've already seen are uh, Peaks Coaching Group. So we're working with Peaks Coaching Group uh, and they're part of um, what we're doing. And, and we'll have some other announcements on some other um, sponsorships. Um, but basically uh, between uh, the way that you can look at it currently, is between Cyclogen and Peaks Coaching Group. Uh, you know, we've guaranteed all the funds. Everybody who signs up, they don't they don't realize it at the moment, but everybody who signs up for training 
um, and pay something actually contributes to the prize pool. So that will grow. But a, a bit of a landmark, landmark moment for CVR, because it's the first time you've you've really tried to seriously raise revenue from from riders and swifters. And you've never, ever uh, been anything other than honest in your ambition that, that this had to be a sustainable business and you would eventually start raising revenue. Thing is, Frank, and, and you and I both know this, there is an end-user license agreement and that end-user license agreement, which every single person who uses with signs up for, says, do, do, taking the legal jargon out of it, it says you can't use Zwift for, for, for commercial gain. Now, isn't that what you're doing? I'm sure uh, different ter- attorneys will have uh, different opinions. Uh, that's, no. that's what we pay attorneys for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but two things to note. First of all, uh, we've kept uh, Zwift informed of all of what we're doing. Uh, I believe in transparency and I don't believe in, uh, you know, popping surprises in on anybody. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's the first thing for everybody to know. The, the second thing for everybody to know is I think the real value in training is training. Um, and, you know, improving yourself. Um, and so I think that value comes from Hunter and Peaks Coaching Group. Well done for getting the product plug in. You know, I would expect I would expect no less. But you didn't really answer the question, which is you're, you're, you're building a business here and you've done loads and loads and loads for the community. I don't think anybody would ever deny this. Uh, that, but you're building a business here, which you know the average barrack room lawyer would would look at the the end user license agreement uh, that Swift has and say, well, they could they 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 could destroy your business at the stroke of a pen. I mean, does that not worry you? Yeah, sure, sure, it worries me. Um, I think that uh, it's probably not in Swift's self interest, but uh, we all do and see things differently. Um, so sure, it worries me. Um, uh, but to me, this is uh, like drilling for oil, right? You uh, do all your geological studies and then you drill where you think um, it's going to work. And uh, But there's a risk that, you know, all that you'll get is dirt. Um, and then you spend a lot of money and you didn't get anything out of it. Uh, we think this is an incredibly exciting space and uh, the opportunities um, abound. Uh, there are risk mitigation strategies um, as well for what we're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, right now we're sort of, uh, if we, if I take a poker term, uh, you know, like Texas Hold'em, we're pushing our chips to the middle of the table and saying, you know, let us go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's what entrepreneurs do. You, you've been a successful entrepreneur. You're, you're trying to be an entrepreneur in this space. I think lots of people would applaud you for doing so. I mean, I, I have, often have done in the past. Um, on the relationship with Zwift, Frank, I mean, so here we are. Here's CVR with a race series culminating in a live final. And that happens on a Tuesday night, uh, that, <clears throat> that whole thing. And here's Zwift slash um, Kiss, but Zwift as co-promoter with a race series culminating in a live final. So what are you guys? Are you are you friends? Are you rivals? Are you frenemies? What are you? I think uh, the, the term might be co-optician, but uh, this is the best way that I can say it. So I, I for me, I'm a Zwifter um, and I see behind you, I think you've got the, the e-crit running. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I got on with you, I was watching the e-crit, um, exciting stuff. Um, and I think it's a rising tide. So I think having sort of a road-like series um, on Tuesdays and a crit series on Thursdays and, uh, you know, people... Uh, being able to join and watch that uh, is is great for the community. It's a rising tide. It'll lift all ships. I think we'll push each other to make each other better and better. And I think that 
in the end, maybe it's a Coke and Pepsi, you know, kind of play. So I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, one takes all. Obviously, Zwift's got the Zwift brand um, and, and, and all the things they do. But I think really this is great for everybody and great for Zwift. You know, for the average Zwifter who races, who cares about end user license agreements? They just care, you know, if there's a race around when they want to race it, maybe with winning a big prize at the end. So. Uh, kind of hats off to you, Frank, for that. Um, I think many people would. would, would well, thank you. Frank, it's always always a pleasure talking to somebody with so much energy and enthusiasm uh, like yourself. Thanks very much indeed for your time. Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate your time and uh, getting on the Zwiftcast as well. Well, the CVR empire, it's growing and growing and growing. And for the first time, Nathan, we've seen them now selling services, selling coaching packages with Hunter Allen. Uh, at least partly using the Zwift platform to do that. Are you happy and comfortable with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that I've seen a lot of uh, benefits to coaching through Zwift and the connections that it can make, actually, in coaching. Uh, you have a, I mean, it's no secret, you have this huge mass of cyclists that are all concentrated in one area, and they're all looking for coaching. I mean, not all of them, but, you know, most, not, I don't know if it's even most, that'd be an interesting metric, actually. How many people on Zwift don't have coaches and are looking for mm. a more organized planning system? I mean, they've probably looked into that and obviously uh, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm totally comfortable with it. And the all boats rise thing, man, the tide is rising and I love promoting community stuff like, and getting the community uh, growing together, especially in the live streaming space, obviously. So I'm excited to see everything that they're doing with it. Yeah, yeah. Shane, I mean, we do use this phrase a lot, uh, the rising tide floats all boats or raises all boats thing, but the vibrancy of this space, I mean, it just continues to get more and more and more vibrant and more and more and more innovative and more and more competitive. The only, you know, the, the, the people who are going to benefit from this are the, is the consumer. Yeah, so we're still sort of all in, in initial stages of everything that I'm seeing, um, but I, I love seeing the different angles that things are going. So yeah, yeah. I'm sitting back watching and uh, more people on bikes. It's good for yeah. me. Good yeah. yeah, I mean, there is a kind of Wild West, almost kind of gold rush element about, about this at the moment as, as, as people kind of compete to, to put stakes in the ground. It's, it's a very interesting process to watch. Shane, uh, back to you for this one. It's a uh, change of subject, actually, mm -hmm. uh, change of subject. It's, it's, it's the end of the year. So we get these kind of end of the year compilation lists and, and info lists from all these software subs, uh, services we now we now subscribe to. Uh, I got my most played tune on Spotify from Spotify the other day, which was interesting because I didn't need Spotify to tell me the tune that I listened to the most because I already know the tune I listen to the most because I listen to it the most. So anyway, uh, so Stra <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, so Strava did the same thing. Strava did the same thing. And... Not one single mention in the whole kind of Strava totals, miles ridden, most popular this, most popular that, yada, yada, yada. But not one single mention, Shane, of virtual miles from Strava this year. Not a thing. I thought that was weird, didn't you? Absolutely. Look, the stats that I've been pulling out from events, especially from Zwift events, shows that the number of people who are paying for Strava, Strava Premium members, Zwifters are really high up there. So they're a big mm. part of you know, keeping Strava alive. 
So I was really surprised that the, the stats aren't collected in there. I'm sure they're not real. Indoors, what is real is time and power because they're the same as outside as well. So indoors, they're made up miles, they're made up elevation and things like that. But I'd like to see that included because, uh, you know, everyone's heard of Zwift. Everyone's heard of virtual cycling, whichever platform you choose. So to have those stats included, yeah, I, I can't see why they don't. Nathan, uh, this is this is ridiculous speculation because I've just got no evidence whatsoever at all, apart from what you see. And what you see is it looks as though the relationship between Strava and Zwift is perhaps not as close as it as it once was. I mean, are you reading the runes and seeing a, a similar thing? I, I'd be surprised if they didn't have a good relationship because, you know, they both want the same things. But Strava's sort of changed direction a bit recently, hasn't it, with this new new head honcho they've got who came from one of the big social platforms and has gone much, much, much more social. Do you think, do you think Strava, see, Strava and Zwift have now developed more of a rivalry than a potential friendship? Zwift is not creating a competitor with Strava. You don't save your hmm. ride and go look at it on Zwift. Like yeah. that doesn't happen, right? Hmm. And so you save your ride and you go look at it afterwards on Strava. So it's only helpful to have the tracking and all that stuff going on within there. Um, so the only thing I could, I mean, the only thing I would say is that when things go quiet, on the public facing it i you know either there's just a lack of conversation happening or there might be some disagreements or the feedback from strava's user base that they are paying attention to doesn't like virtual miles i mean that might like the yeah. plain and simple might be yeah. that like yeah. you've got like people who are anti-zwifters who are yeah. like complaining that zwift is a part of it and they haven't done a good job of like separating things nicely that is a really good point that the, the majority of the user base may not like us as us, us virtual people and in fact i think us two might have been involved in a bit of social media shenanigans around this um do you remember this a few weeks ago somebody found a club on strava that was dedicated that was dedicated to the hatred <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> laughing. Yeah, you 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 do remember this, don't you? Uh, everybody. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which was this Strava club that hated people who did who did virtual miles, uh, and um, what did we do, Shane? We we infiltrated it actually. <laughs> We uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a I think the club was called something like no Stra no Zwift miles in this group or no yeah, Zwifters yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. It was just anti Zwifters, and then we got all the Zwifters going, and the entire feed was just Watopia and Richmond and London, and we actually outnumbered the people. Who, it was very it was, funny though. It was very funny. It was very. It they, was rumbled, they, they rumbled. They It was a. It was good. That was a good... Uh, back in the day, it was an IRC channel takeover. That was a similar thing. <laughs> a bit of fun. I think we all got kicked out after a while, but that was a bit of fun while it lasted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it'd be interesting to see how the relationship with uh, with Swift and, and Strava develops. Uh, and, I, you know, I must just remind viewers and listeners, we have absolutely no information about this at all. We're speculating wildly uh, based on zero information. But, you know... That's what we do sometimes. That's what we do sometimes. Right. 
Okay, let's move on now. Um, I do love a project. I love a project. And I know a lot of other Zwifters love a project. And if it's a project that you can combine your project love with Zwift, that becomes like the best thing ever. And I think that is why there has been a lot of uh, action and interest in the rocker plate project. So um, for those who don't know what a rocker plate is, take a look or a listen to this and then we will talk about it. Zwifters love a bit of DIY modification and there's been an upsurge in rocker plate projects over the past couple of weeks. A normal bike trainer is rigidly attached to the floor. Uh, this enter uh, basically fits in between that point and allows the bike to rock left and right uh, in an effort to make it feel a little bit more like riding outside. That's Chad McNeese, whose rocket launcher DIY projects can be found on Zwift blog and YouTube. But Chad's not alone in designing rocker plates or platforms. There are a variety of homebrew designs around, including one high-spec setup that uses leaf springs from a truck, whilst others rely on tennis balls or even Nerf balls to provide the springiness that makes riding on a trainer feel more natural. I've done a roundup of the different designs in a video version of this story, which you can find in the Zwiftcast YouTube channel. But why bother with a rocker plate at all? Here's Chad again. Seated comfort is improved. Uh, standing comfort feels much more natural, natural, and um, it's. I think it encourages actually standing up more, which then overcomes a lot of the saddle pain that many people find from riding indoors. Anything that could alleviate saddle pain has to be a good thing. And with credible claims made for other benefits, you wonder why nobody's made a rocker plate commercially available. Well, one very small company has. The co-plate system, as the name suggests, is two plates separated by an inflatable sphere. I had a quick word with the company, which turns out to be run by one man, Coboon, a 70-year-old retired Dutchman and very enthusiastic indoor rider. Co says he's sold around 300 units, but sales, he thinks, are hampered by high shipping costs. So he's redesigning the product a little to offer a variation where the spheres and brackets and bits and pieces are shipped out and users obtain the plates locally. And demand is so high, he's currently sold out. So the vacuum has been filled by enthusiastic amateurs, Chad being chief amongst them. His instructional video on how to build what he calls his rocket launcher is doing a bomb on YouTube. How long would it take, do you think, the average person to follow your instructions, get one of these made? And it's not expensive, is it? The materials are pretty cheap. Yeah, I haven't actually put a dollar value on it. I mean, we're talking a little bit of plywood, some basic lumber hinges. And part of the reason I did the design was to do something that people could essentially go hit a hardware store, uh, pick up those parts in an afternoon. And as far as build time, I would say a person who's relatively decent running uh, standard wood cutting materials and a screwdriver, um, you know, drill, that type of thing, could easily do it in an afternoon. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you could grab a pizza and a beer and just have a little build, basically. And if you did it with a couple of friends, you could knock a couple of them out pretty quickly once you do a few of them. But we haven't asked the most important question. Will it make me? 
any faster. Uh, for me, uh, and as you can see in some of the videos that I've shot, um, I'm willing to and able to go ahead and put down full sprint efforts in particular. Uh, I have no problem basically trying to match my efforts from outside, which is commonly um, not recommended for a normal rigid trainer position because you're fixed in there and you can potentially um, add extra stress to the frame that it's not meant to see. Uh, so from that perspective, I'm fine doing full out sprints and everything I would do like I was outside. So performance wise for racing and training and stuff, I just pretty much throw everything at it. Uh, and generally other performance stuff, I think climbing out of a saddle again, being more natural. So whenever you're doing in that kind of effort, climbing a hill or other type of standing effort, I just think it's much more realistic and, and um, natural to do it that way. It may be a subconscious, but there is a kind of psychological barrier on a trainer, isn't there? That that you are conscious of the rigidity and the, 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 the slightly fixed nature of the position and the very fixed nature of the position of the bike in the trainer. And even if you don't think about it, I, I think it does psychologically, subconsciously hold you back at times. I would tend to agree with that. I mean, for me, it's just awkward. Um, you, mm. you lose that general sensation of having to balance the bike and just the subtlety of it moving a little bit left and right on you. And it just feels different. I mean, there's no, no simple way to, to state it other than that. And it's just unnatural, seated even, but in particular for the standing efforts is the main reason I went down that road and then found a lot of the other side benefits through the seated as well. It, I definitely think there's an opening for this. And you see the people who do the DIYs, and that's part of the reason I posted my design is I just wanted people to be aware of it, number one, and realize that it's not too difficult to do. So that kind of kicked things off. And in the last couple of weeks, there's been more people doing various designs, either springboarding off of mine or coming up with one similar to the other ones I mentioned. And I just think it's great. I really don't care what people do as far as the specific design. I just love seeing the different ways they solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, it's just one of those fantastic community things you get around Zwift, you know, and particularly I, I like it because, it, like I say, it kind of highlights people's ingenuity and, and, and you know, everybody likes a, a bit of a project only on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining outside and you've already done your Zwift session or whatever, you know. And Where do we find your, your design, Chad? Um, currently, it's posted on ZwiftBlog.com yeah. uh, underneath the rocket launcher heading, R-O-C-K-I-T launcher, uh, and, and you can just find it right on there. It's also available on YouTube. I have all the source videos with links back to the blog, uh, and then specifically the PDF uh, that has the drawings with all the dimensions and the bill materials for all the things that a person needs to buy uh, to actually put one together. Shane, you could knock me down with a feather, or as we say in Yorkshire, I'll go to the foot of our stairs if Wahoo Tax or somebody else is not working on a commercial version of this. I mean, that is just like an opening, you know, it's like a barn door size opening, isn't it? A barn door with tennis balls under it. No, sorry, that was, <laughs> that's an inside joke. There's a lot of people posting pictures of these plates using tennis balls as the yeah. springs under. It's, it's quite funny, everyone's with riders. Yeah, for sure. Look, Kirk Kinetic or Kinetic, they're now known, uh, have had the rock and roll trainer for a while. It's been unique. It's sort of sat out here in the space and people have loved it um, if they've got one because it allows for more natural movement. Now, what's interesting is the companies that are making these indoor trainers are going the opposite of this. Remember we spoke about the smart trainer, or the, or sorry, the smart bike. Mm. It's going to be a barn door. It need this combined with the smart bike has to happen. Smart bikes need this. I want one. I want to review one. I want to talk about one. I'm not sure if I want to build one because it looks pretty complex, but I see people making kits of them as well to ship. 
That's absolutely mm. awesome. For a community project, getting your hands onto something. And like with anything that you build yourself, you're invested in it. It's yours. It's your thing. It'll motivate you to get on the bike and use it. And yeah, it's cool. I like it. I do. Yeah. Nathan, I mean, this to me is is one of the uh, one of the absolute joys of the Zwift community. I mean, the, you know, this could not happen anywhere else, and 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 the community adds such incredible value to something like this. You know, there there are lots of kind of helpful suggestions for refining the designs of these things, and it's just. I, I love stuff like this. I just think it's the Zwift community at its very, very best, don't you? I am all about hacks. I don't know if you've ever seen my streaming room, but I play Overwatch and ride Zwift at the same time. So, and I've I've set my my desk up in a way where I am actually able to work full time while riding my bike. Right, so I can like type i can talk i can use my mouse i can do everything i would want to do because my desk is my handlebars right it's another kind of a hack like that i absolutely love these things my entire office has been built around being able to function the way that i need to in order to get what i want to done right shane i've not heard that the tax and or wahoo are making this but why wouldn't they why i mean why wouldn't they look the there's going to be something happening in this space. I'd like to, I mean, again, pure speculation, I've got no idea. I know people mm. are working on a smart bike. We heard that at Eurobike, but something mm. needs to happen here. Smart trainers haven't changed a lot in the last two years. The mm. Neo is probably the last big innovation we've seen, but what next? What is the next? And I think this rocker plate style uh, rock and roll adds mm. more immersion. Um, you imagine this with the climb. So you get mm. out of the saddle work, you get the bike going up and down. That's what we want. We want more more realism and just to take away yeah. from looking at the wall um just to yeah. more escapism yeah and yeah. then we get the headsets and then we're, we're done we can ride the tour yeah. de france virtually <laughs> <laughs> we're done small yeah, steps well, small steps uh, well i'm very i'm very interested in this whole rock plate thing because as i mm, say it just sure. it, uh, it appeals to my inner nerd so uh, i think we might try and find out i might just ring or call or email or tweet or something tax or my friends at tax on wahoo and just just ask them you know what they're doing in this area if i was going to do this which i'm not ever definitely not <laughs> never 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 but if i was even contemplating it i probably would want a rocker plate uh, and this is probably in fact i would say definitely the hardest thing you could do on a trainer it's the virtual everest um very 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 few have managed to complete this crazy challenge let's find out a little bit more about it the unique torture of virtual everesting is all this guy's fault andy van bergen at the cycling tips website came up with the idea of using a pike to simulate the world's biggest possible climb. What is an Everesting attempt? Yeah, sure, so it's fairly simple uh, in the concept and the idea is that basically you just ride your bike uh, till you ride the equivalent height of Mount Everest, which is 8,848 metres or 29,000 feet. Um, but you can do that on any hill or mountain anywhere in the world. So you just pick a hill and you ride repeats of that hill until you've climbed that equivalent height. You could pick something really steep or you could pick something really long. You could pick something that's for a mountain bike or a road bike or Zwift as it turns out. 
and, uh, and basically it's just riding repeats of that until you've climbed the equivalent height. You can break as much as you like, just as if you were going out on a ride somewhere, plus you want to be eating a fair amount in this particular ride, you'll be on the bike for a while, but uh, no sleep is, is the main rule of Everesting, so it needs to be in the one ride. It's really taken off, hasn't it? Oh, it's, it's crazy. The, uh, the amount of traction that we've had is, is incredible. We're getting close to 70 countries that have had an Everesting completed in it. And uh, I think 2,100 uh, riders around the, uh, around the world. In the Zwift world, there is, of course, an equivalent. And, yeah. and there are a set of rules for that as well. And this is virtual Everesting. Yeah, well, um, as, so I actually um, had, a, had a crack at this on the weekend myself. It is, it is very similar to, uh, to completing a, a real-life Everesting. I've, I've completed uh, five real-life Everestings uh, and now one virtual one. And I say it's very, very comparable. I would say it sort of hit, sits somewhere in the middle in terms of the difficulty level and, and the toughness level. Uh, I think mentally it, it was a lot, a lot tougher. Physically it was, um, yeah, it was pretty annihilating because there's no, no real uh, easy way to sort of um, change up positions on the bike and things like that. So it's a great challenge. It's a, it's a lot of fun. How many real life and how many virtual Everestings have been? Well, it's pretty easy. So 2,100 real life Everestings and I think we're now 12 or, th well, actually after the weekend, I think it's now 15 uh, virtual Everestings. So it's pretty, still a small number. It's a very small number. And top of that small list is a familiar name to Zwifters. It was, it was really hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it was, it was amazingly hard. Uh, I, uh, I wouldn't want to do it again. You know, I'd, I'd hop off the bike and you know jump into literally a tub full of ice uh, for 15 minutes and then hop back on the bike. Uh, and you know, sort of this went on for you know sort of four hours on the bike, 15 minutes in an ice bath. Uh, after it was over, uh, two days later, I could walk again. Um, so it, you know, that that was a plus. <laughs> It took an amazingly long time, uh, a lot of food, um, and then you know, uh, towards the end, you know, I was nauseous and uh, I didn't want to eat. If there was one single thing that you could pass on to somebody who was in reasonable shape or good shape and was thinking about doing an Everest attempt inside on Swift, what would what would be the single thing you'd tell them, Frank? <laughs> Don't do it. Okay, so, this, <laughs> so if there was one tip. Um, the one thing that I was really concerned about, uh, sort of ending the attempt, w would be something like a saddle sore, right? Um, so I think, you know, your equipment, uh, you know, in especially in terms of what you're wearing and your seat and your shoes and, and, and all of that, um, I think that's probably uh, assuming you're fit, right? Uh, but I think that's, you know, my biggest tip is, you know, certainly think about that. Um, have your fluids and your food um, there. My family was amazing. You really want, um, you know, your wife to come in and bring you something cold and sugary uh, <laughs> you, you on know, a regular that, basis. Yeah, I yeah. That, that's uh, you know that becomes very very big. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think we can tell from talking to you, Frank, that this was tough. Really, really, really tough. Final question: If somebody's considering it and they're in the right kind of shape to consider it as a serious proposition, would you recommend it to them? Um, wow, <laughs> Not <is> unhesitatingly. <laughs> um, you sure you don't want to just do like like, like a 10-hour bike ride <laughs> on some flat ground uh, would be my first question. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great experience, uh, you know, so people talk to me about it and yeah. uh, it's 
you know, they think you're completely nuts. So if you like being thought of as completely nuts and, and talking in, in that sort of realm, I think it's it's for you. So I, I think that's my hesitation. Like, uh, just realize that it's not a small effort. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not in a hurry to do another one. Let's, let's put that <laughs> Nathan, would you? Uh, I think I'm too vain in my accomplishments on the bike. Um, and I like what? shorter competitions that pay off a little more. I think that I think yeah. I'm, uh, I just, you know, just to, to have my name on a list like that, I just, man, uh, I'm also not really that into maybe yet, maybe it's something a little later on that suddenly for some weird reason, I'll really like doing super long endurance challenges like that. How long does this take? Like oh, how forever. long does it oh, ever forever. Seem, oh, yeah, it's like 24 I mean, hours. Like, 24 hours. 15, 16 oh. hours. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. No. Shane, would you? Would you? I wouldn't. <laughs> Look, I love, I love riding my bike. I would hate to get to a point where I hate riding my bike. And I think that might sort of tip me over the edge a little mm. bit. So, look, I, I sit back and observe these feats of greatness that people uh, achieve indoors and out with the Everesting. I'm in awe, but I'm also comfortable in my saddle for now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I must say, hats off chapeau and you know general noises of approval to anybody who does that there was a, a, a Zwifter who's just recently completed it actually and and I, I think the thing is it's so ridiculously stupidly hard that I think the people who do who do complete it actually don't kind of don't get enough recognition because other people can't understand just how hard it is Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm not going to say happy Christmas because depending on kind of what happens in, in, in the Zwift world, we may well be back for another episode before Christmas. So uh, I'm not being miserable, Scrooge, by not saying happy Christmas to you two. I shall, I'm just going to content myself with saying thanks very much uh, this time, boys. Maybe see you before Christmas. Uh, if not, have a good one. And that's it for now. Thank you very much, boys. Right on. Thanks, Simon. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Just the usual reminder that whilst we're very grateful for the support that Zwift provides to help the podcast be published so frequently, nobody at Zwift has any influence on any of the content of the podcast. Also, it might just be worth, if you're not a regular viewer, checking out the YouTube channel. Um, I'm not suggesting you watch the entire podcast if you've already listened to it once, but it's worth looking at the visuals on the Rocker Plate story. Uh, it is a visual story, and uh, there's a pretty good representation of all the designs on the video feature on my YouTube channel. Just search Zwiftcast on YouTube. Thanks once again for listening. Bye.